Have you ever uh, gone to a timeshare presentation before? Anyone ever do that before? Okay, several hands. Uh, well, I've gone to uh, many of those, and I'm not exactly sure what hell is going to be like. Um, <laughs> but I think it'll be close to one of those presentations. And so over Thanksgiving, uh, our family uh, went to... Uh, a, a place that had a timeshare uh, presentation and we made a commitment early on that we were not going to help. And so no matter what they said, we just weren't going to go to the presentation. Well, uh, we got there really late at night and because of that, uh, they didn't have our parking pass. And so uh, the next morning, my wife Jennifer said, you've got to walk down to the front desk and get the parking pass. You know, she had to pay me a hundred bucks, but uh, we did. And so I walked down there and uh, at that point, I told the guy, hey, we didn't get our parking pass last night. Can I get that now? And uh, he said, sure, no problem whatsoever. And then he said these words, uh, Mr. Bunch, did you get your gift? And I said, well, no, I don't think we got a gift. And he said, oh, we have a gift for you. And he goes off to this little room, and he comes back with a cooler. And he goes, this is a cooler just for you. And there's some wine in it. There is some wine. And I said, well, that's great. I really appreciate it. He said, now, to get your parking pass, uh, you have to give me your credit card because of incidentals and different things. And I was like, okay, well, I gave him that. And then he came back, and he said, uh, I got you all set up tomorrow morning for a presentation at 9.30 in the morning, and you can get your parking pass then. Now, at this point, uh, the guy started to become a little bit difficult to love. Uh, he got a little bit more intimidating, and he's like, no, 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 you really have to do this. If you want to get your parking pass, this is what you've got to do. And uh, I started getting a little frustrated. He said, no, no, the presentation will be good. We have coupons for you. We have all kinds of stuff that we'll give you there too. But you have to come to get your parking pass. I said, I just want my parking pass. He said, Mr. Bunch, you have to go to this. I'm really sure uh, it, you'll enjoy it. And I said, I'm really sure I won't because I've gone before. Uh, I just want a parking pass. And all of a sudden, the phone rang. I'm pretty sure it was Satan. And at that point, uh, he wrote down on a piece of paper everything that we were supposed to go the next day. He handed it to me along with everything, with all the coupons, and then he shushed me away. He's like that. Now, I got to confess today, I almost lost my pastor card, okay? <laughs> I was getting ready to go off on him when all of a sudden I remembered a scripture, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And so I thought to myself, I need to just walk away from this. And so I just walked up to my room, drank all the wine, and went to bed. <laughs> not, not really. I, I did not do that. But the next morning, we had to deal with this guy again. And he was difficult to like, let alone difficult to love. I want to ask you this morning, is there someone in your life... That is difficult to love. Just raise your hand. Is there someone in your life? Now, don't point at them, okay? Uh, that's not good. Don't, don't point at them. But is there someone? Yeah. And many times, uh, there are people in our lives that are difficult to love because they've hurt us. They've betrayed us. They've offended us in some way. And today, what I want to talk about is help. These people are driving me crazy. Because there are some people in our lives that drive us crazy, 
and they offend us over and over and over again. And today we want to talk about that, and it kind of leads us to our big idea this morning, and it's your first fill-in if you want to write it in or put it uh, on uh, your uh, app, and it's this, that being uh, offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable. All of us are going to be offended, no matter who we are. But living offended is a choice. So if you have someone in your life right now who has uh, offended you in some way, and they're difficult to love, you came to the right place, because we're going to talk about that today. And Paul, one of Jesus' closest followers, and the guy who wrote close to half of the New Testament, writes these words. He says, bless those who persecute you. Or we might say today, bless those who are mean to us. Bless those who stab us in the back. Bless those who disagree. Bless those who offend us. Bless those who persecute us. Now, what does that word bless mean? What does that word mean? Well, the word bless comes from a Greek word, eulogeo, eulogeo, and What it means is to speak well of or to wish the best blessings for someone else. So what Paul is saying is that we are to speak well of, to wish the best blessings for someone else. Even when they're rude to us, even when they hurt us, even when they offend us. Bless those who persecute you. Now, I don't know about you, but it's very easy for me to bless people who I like. Like, if you're nice to me, if you're kind to me, if you're encouraging to me in some way, it's very, very easy for me to bless you. But if you betray me, if you hurt me, if you offend me in some way, it's much more difficult for me to bless you. And I hate to say this, But there is a dark part of me that sometimes, again, I'm ashamed to say it, but there's a dark part of me that sometimes when there's a person who hurts me or offends me in some way, when something bad happens to their life or a bad circumstance hits them, I kind of like it. Now, some of you are looking and you're stunned right now, like, how could you be like that? Because you're so holy, aren't you? You're just holy, holy, holy. But for the rest of us, I think you understand what I'm talking about. It's kind of like this. Have you ever had this experience before where you're driving your car on the interstate, your 2009, you know, town and country, I'll just pick that out randomly, that's what I drive, and uh, it's got 220,000 miles on it, and I've driven down before when all of a sudden a sports car, I'm doing that you know, the actual speed limit, and a sports car comes by going 90 or more, and as it passes me, in my mind, I start really hoping and even praying sometimes, God, pull them over, that jerk, pull them over. And I'll tell you what, God has actually answered my prayers a couple of times. And there's a secret part of me that what I want to do is pull up and say, Officer, I've got this under control. And walk up to the window and say, You are an idiot. Why are you driving so fast? You reap what you sow. 
fast boy, and then get in my little van and drive on. I want them to have what is coming to them. Paul instead, though, tells us to bless them. And he got it from Jesus because Jesus said the same thing. Bless those who persecute you. And it's not just like bless them once, but this phrase actually means that you would bless them continually. You bless them continually. You could literally translate this verse this way. Be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. Be a continual blessing to those who are a continual problem. Now, for much of my life, I was not able to do this very well. It seemed impossible to me. And it is without the power and strength of Christ. And one day, I was in my uh, quiet time with God when I uh, had him like help me through someone that I had a really hard heart towards. And all I got was, I was like, God, how should I respond to this? He said, release them. And then all of a sudden, I had this symbolic image that God said, I want you to place that person in your hands, and then I want you to release them to me and ask God's blessing on their life. And the first time that I ever did it, it was kind of like, release them, and God bless them. But over time, I do that more and more and more. And so I'll say, I'll actually take the person and say, um, I take Jack, I take Jill, and I take them to a hill and kick them out. You know, no, no. I take Jack, I take Jill, I release them to you, God, and I ask your blessing upon them. And it doesn't just happen once. But it takes multiple times. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it takes months. There's been some people that it's taken years for me to actually release them to God and to ask his blessing on their lives. Now, how do I do this? Or how can you continually bless someone who is a continual problem? Well, I want you to know it's impossible for you to do it on your own, in your own nature, to ever do this. The only way we can do this is by understanding how Paul starts this chapter in Romans chapter 12 in verse 1. Because in verse 1 he says, as I ask you to do these hard things, this is how you are to respond. And so in verse 1, Paul sets up how we are to love difficult people are difficult people to love. He says this, in view of God's mercy. Someone say God's mercy. God's mercy. Those of you on the stream, type it in right now. God's mercy. God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. Now, what is mercy? For most of my life, I thought mercy was when my brother would have me down on the ground pinning me to the ground and saying, say it, say it. And I'd go, mercy. And then he'd let me up. And it's not too far from the truth, but what mercy really is this. When you don't get what you deserve. You deserve one thing, but you don't get it. When you don't get what you deserve. Let me ask this question. How many of you have received the mercy of God in your own life? How merciful... Has God been to you? 
How much has he forgiven you for that you did not deserve? Yeah, a lot. Thank you. Somebody said a lot. That is true. A lot. So in view of God's mercy, we then are called to bless those who betray us, who hurt us, who offend us in some way. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to trust them at the same level that we did before. The problem that many people have with forgiveness is that they think, oh, now I have to trust this person. No, no, no. If they hurt you, if they abused you, if they did something wrong to you, you'd be dumb to trust them at the same level. Trust is something that has to be earned. Forgiveness is a given. It says for, what's the second part of it? Give. You forgive. I forgive. I let the person off. I give them what they don't deserve. You don't trust them at the same level, but you forgive. Regardless of whether they betrayed you, hurt you, offended you in some way. And we're called to release them to God. Why? Because of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, and then Paul says, do these other things. In verse 16, it goes on to say, live in harmony with one another. Everyone got their Christmas shopping done? No. So that means you're probably going to go to a store somewhere. And you're going to need this verse. Live in harmony with one another. Because they're going to drive you crazy. Then he goes on to say, do not be proud. Let's say that out loud together. Do not be proud. Those of you on the stream, type it in. Do not be proud. And then he goes on to say, do not be conceited. Let's all say that together. Do not be conceited. Now, this is difficult, but I, I know you can do it because you're really smart people. We're going to take both of these phrases and we're going to say it out loud together, okay? So on the count of three, one, two, three. Do not be proud and do not be conceited. Now the problem is, it's very easy for us to say it today here in church, but it's much more difficult tomorrow when we're offended or when something happens, or when we think we're better than someone else to say it then. Because this is what's going to happen to you and me this week. We're going to want to be right. I want to be right. Most of us want to be right. No matter what, we want to be right. And some of us are like, especially over the past couple of years, what it's created in our culture is everyone else is wrong except what I believe. Everyone else is wrong. I'm right, and y'all are a bunch of stupid idiots. Because I'm right, and you're wrong. Folks, let me say this. Jesus didn't tell us to be right. Jesus told us to be loving. Let me say that again, because some of us will need to hear this this week. Jesus did not tell us to be right Jesus told us to be loving. In fact, he said, how will the world know that you are followers of me? Not by how correct you are, not by how right you are, but by how you love other people. Folks, when people talk to you 
and they are different than you. Let's say, for instance, they're a Democrat. (gasps) Let's say, for instance, they're a Republican. (sighs) Let's say that they're independent. You know, oh my gosh, they have no backbone at all. Let's say that they lean more liberal than you. They lean more conservative than you in some way. You know what's interesting to me is that when it comes to all of that, we have a tendency to want to respond and be right when it's a person who's different than us. But don't just listen to respond. Listen to understand. Listen to actually love. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul says this, Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Anybody here perfect? Any perfect people? Liar. (laughs) Somebody raise their hand. Liar. No, no, no. There's no such thing as anyone being perfect. So then what do we have to do? We have to make allowances for the faults of others because of love. But it's very interesting to me that you and I tend to judge other people by their actions. But when it comes to ourselves... We want to be judged how? We want to be judged differently. We want to be judged by our intentions. We tend to judge other people by their actions, but we want to be judged by our intentions. So, for example, if I mess up or I say something stupid or I hurt somebody in some way, I'm like, you know, I didn't intend to do that. I just said it kind of off the cuff, but you know my heart. You know the way that it is. But if you, on the other hand, uh, push me aside or say something wrong, uh, uh, immediately it's kind of like, you're a jerk! You're a loser! You know what? You need Jesus to save your pathetic soul. You know, that, that kind of mentality. Because why? I'm judging by your action rather than your intention. Again, why do we make allowances for each other's faults because of God's mercy, because of his love for us. Folks, the world is not going to know you by how correct you are or how right you are. They are going to know us by how loving we are. Again, it goes back to our big idea. Being offended is inevitable. Every single one of us will get offended this week, guaranteed. Maybe before, you know, you leave. Maybe I've offended you already. You're going to be offended. But living offended is a choice. Being offended is inevitable, but living offended is a choice. And so I've got to remind myself time and time and time again, life is too short to stay offended. Life is way too short to stay offended. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 11 is a powerful verse and it says this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to do what? What's it say? Overlook what? An offense. Overlook an offense. Now, how do you do that? 
What does it mean to overlook an offense? Well, we need to recognize that overlooking an offense does not mean that you act like it, you pretend like it didn't happen or that you trust the person. That's not overlooking offense. Rather, it's a conscious decision that I'm going to let it go. In other words, it's a form of forgiveness. It's almost like in this decision, I'm choosing ahead of time to forgive. It's a choice. It's a real-time choice that I'm going to rise above. I'm going to overlook whatever it is that just happened. I'm going to be on top of it. I'm going to be over it. I'm over it. Because life is way too short to live a life that is offended over something that's so small. So I'm going to look over it. I'm over it. For those of you that are on the stream right now, you might want to just type in, I'm over it. In fact, let's all say it here in the auditorium again. uh, These words, I'm over it. One, two, three. I'm over it. I'm over it. I'm rising above it. So... You're going to be with family around Christmas. And when someone is rude at the Christmas table, what are we going to say? I'm over it. Now, when your mother-in-law starts correcting the way that you're parenting, that's a tough one, right? But what are we going to do? We're going to say, here it is, I'm over it. I'm over it. When someone is passive-aggressive in some way over the Christmas season, what are we going to say? I'm I'm over it. Uh, When your wife Jennifer doesn't like the way that you chew your gum. (laughs) What do I have to say? I'm over it. And she's over it too. We're good. We're good people. She just doesn't give me much gum now, you know. But I'm over it. I'm over it. And you are going to have people in your life that you love the most. And those are the ones that offend you the most. The people that you're closest to will hurt you the most. And so you have to say, I'm over it. I go over it. Well, Paul goes on to say these words. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And then in verse 18, Paul says this. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, and folks, sometimes it doesn't depend upon us. This is the clause that... Paul gives to us in this phrase. He says, sometimes we can't control what other people say. We can't control what they do. Sometimes people don't want to be reconciled. Sometimes people don't want to try to make it. But as far as it depends upon you, what's ever within your power, what's ever within your ability to respond, we're going to live at peace with everyone. With everyone. Several years ago, one of my uh, best friends, uh, Matt, uh, got in trouble, some legal trouble, big time. And he was going through a divorce at the time and was struggling. And uh, he needed some help financially. And so my wife, Jennifer, we prayed about it and we gave him uh, a few thousand dollars, substantial amount of money, so that legally he wouldn't be in trouble. And after we gave that to him, it was like he ghosted me for years. He wouldn't talk. I'd call, I'd text, no response 
whatsoever. And over time, I started getting hurt, and then I was offended. Like, how could he do this to me? And to be honest, I started having a hard heart towards him, almost a hate to where I just didn't ever want to see, and I just cut off all communication. And one day I was reading in the Bible this passage in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. And it says, as far as it depends upon you, be at peace with everyone. And uh, I ask a question of God. If you ask a question of God, sometimes he will give you an answer and a very direct answer. And so I ask, I said, well, God, I can't think of anyone right now, but is there anyone that I don't have peace with? And he said, Matt. I was like, oh, no, God, not that one. Like anyone else, but not, no, Matt. And so it was at that time that I had to make a decision. I had to take a chance. What was I going to do? And so I felt convicted enough. I picked up the phone. I called him up, and he actually answered, which I was surprised. And I said, hey, you want to meet at Cracker Barrel? I'd like to talk to you. He's like, yeah. We haven't seen each other for years. And so we meet at Cracker Barrel, and we sit down across from one another, small talk to catch up. And then I just paused, and I said, I said, Matt, you hurt me. You offended me. You promised that you'd pay this money back. You didn't. And I'm really, really hurt by all of this. And uh, he started tearing up. He's six foot two, about 300 pounds. He started tearing up. And I said, but I want you to know that I need to ask for your forgiveness because I've had a hard heart towards you. And I've wanted bad things to happen to you more and more, and that's not the way I want to be. I really want us to be at peace. It was at that point that he just started tearing up and more and more, and he's almost bawling at this time, can't even hardly get it all together. And then I start kind of tearing up too. And then he said this. He said, Chris, that was the darkest point of my life. I'd just gone through a divorce. i just lost my house. It was a possibility that I could go to prison. I was jobless, and I felt so embarrassed and shameful that I could ever ask you to do this. And so, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? And I said, absolutely, I forgive you. And then about that time, uh, the server came and said, uh, here's the check. And I said, oh, it goes to him. (laughs) And he started laughing, and I did too. And he did pay the bill. (laughs) And we walked out to the parking lot, and we embraced each other. Years, and one of my best friends, I've known him since I was uh, a kid. And uh, we embraced each other. We started crying again, and he's a big, tough guy. And he said, uh, let's quit doing this. People are going to think we're sissies. And uh, we got in our cars and we went on. Now, sometimes, folks, stories end just at that point. It doesn't really go any further than that. But about a year after that, uh, he came to church. And he walked in. He'd never been to the jar before. He walked in. And I saw him. I was like, oh, Matt. You know, I went up. I gave him a great big bear hug. And he started crying again. And he gave me this envelope. 
been 10 years since all this had happened. And he gave me this envelope. And uh, he said this. He said, 10 years ago, you helped me during a very dark period of my life. And you were there for me. And I love you, bro. And here's a check with 10% interest for each year that you invested in me that I couldn't invest myself. And I hope you can forgive me and that there are no hard feelings. And I was shocked. And I was like, Matt, you don't have to do that. You don't have to. No, 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 no. He's like, here, I want to give this to you. And he said, the money is just the smallest piece. The biggest piece is that you stayed a friend and we forgave one another. And I'll always treasure that. And he starts crying. We were at the gym. He's like bawling, big guy. And then I looked at him. I said, quit crying. People are going to think you're a sissy. You know, that was it. Folks, I know how hard it is to release someone. I know how hard it is that when you've been offended, when you've been hurt in some way. I mean, it took me forever, years, until I fully forgave Matt. But I'm so grateful that I did. Because now, Matt comes to the jar. He lives in Fort Wayne, Indiana, which is about an hour away. He drives two hours, he and his girlfriend, to come to church. He serves on our hospitality team. And uh, his girlfriend just got baptized recently. And God is working and growing in their life. And I often think to myself, what if I would have made the choice to just stay offended, to live a life of offense. Folks, some of you right now have someone in your life, I bet God's been working on you right now, of someone who has offended you, and you have a chance to bless that individual. You have a chance. Maybe it's a marriage that has been fractured, and you have a chance to be the first person to actually see killing. You have a chance to begin a relationship, maybe with a child who has been far, far away, estranged, or with a mom or a dad that you haven't connected with. You you have a chance to make it right with a relative or a friend. For those of you that are students, maybe you have a, a friend right now who backstabbed you, did something wrong, talked about you. You have a chance to make it right. You have a chance to bless those who persecute you. And many of you still have that chance. And the question is, will you take the chance? Folks, as far as it depends upon you, as far as it depends upon me, we are to live at peace with everyone. And I can promise you something right now. Guaranteed, you are going to be offended. Guaranteed, you are going to be offended in some way. Someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to betray you. Someone is going to cause pain to your life. And then you have a choice. What are you going to do? It's inevitable that you will be offended, but you don't have to live offended. It's a choice for you to do that. And so today, I just want to ask you where you're at. 
Who might be that person who you need to make things right with? Because again, uh, Jesus did not tell us that people would know us by how right we are. Jesus told us people would know that we're connected to him by how we love other people. We don't have to trust them at the same level. We don't have to embrace all of that. That needs to be earned. But we can choose to bless. We can choose to forgive. We can choose to overlook, to say, I'm over it. You can do that. And I pray, my prayer today, is that many of you would take the chance, you would take the risk to make that happen with at least one person before the end of the year. And I ask that God would do that through his power. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I pray right now through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would move in this auditorium, that you would move for each person who's on the stream today to do a work in our hearts that only you can do. Now, maybe some of you are Christ followers and you're like, I want to live this verse out. I want, as far as it depends upon me, to live at peace with everyone. But God's kind of brought a name or a face or someone that you're like, ah, yeah, I need to do that. There's a mat in your life that you need to make things right with. And you would say, though, today, God, I'll do it if you'll help me. God, help me to live at peace. And so if that's you today, if you're like, I really want to do that, I want to be a person who honors this verse, as far as it depends upon me, that I will live at peace, that if you want to commit to that today, God, I can't do it on my own, I need help, but if you want to do that today, I'm going to invite you to just raise your hand. No one's looking around. No one's looking at people. Just raise your hand. God, I want to do this. I hope it's every hand. I hope everyone on the stream is saying, I want to live at peace with everyone as far as it depends upon me. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now for every serious wounded relationship, for broken marriages, for broken parent-child relationships, for broken friendships, for broken trust that has happened. Help each person here, God, to rise above, to be able to look over it, to look over the offense and to seek to forgive. Because God, just as you have forgiven us and you have given us mercy, help us to give that to others who don't deserve it. And I pray, God, that there would be miraculous healing within relationships within this church today. As far as it depends upon us, we will live at peace with everyone. Now, as you keep praying, the reality is, is that for some of you, you are not at peace with God. Maybe you're not at peace with God because you think that there's something that has happened in your past that there's no way that God could forgive you for, that you couldn't deserve it. You don't receive his mercy. You can't have that free of a gift. And he says, no, you can't. 
In fact, I remember there was a, a time in my life when I was in my 20s that I'd done so many things that I thought there's no way that his mercy, uh, I deserve this, but he didn't give it to me. He gave me something better. He gave me his grace. A grace that says there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. There's nothing I can do to make God love me less. He simply loves me as is. And so 2,000 years ago, in a few weeks, we'll celebrate his birth. But he grew up and he actually went to a cross and he died upon it for all of our sins, for everything in our life that's not at peace. And he says, anyone, anyone, that includes you. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And he says, all you have to do is come to me and to say, I seek your forgiveness. I want your love. I want your grace. I want your mercy in my life. And if that's you today, if you want God's mercy in your life, if you want an opportunity to receive him as Lord of your life, I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself, but I'm going to invite us to pray this together. For those of you on the stream, join us as well as we pray this prayer after me. Just repeat after me. God, thank you for sending Jesus over 2,000 years ago to save my life. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. So I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.